its only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're having a wonderful morning. A great guest has joined us this morning, Wilbert Alex, who is a contemporary healer and teacher of progressive psychology and neo-shamanic studies. I had the privilege of meeting Wilbert and sitting with him um, as he taught a wonderful session in a conference that I attended in Santa Fe just this last week. Welcome, Wilbert. Well, thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Now, where are you today? You've left Santa Fe. Right. Uh, yeah, today I'm in Austin, Texas, but uh, pretty soon in four or five days I do a month of teaching in uh, mostly in Eastern Europe. Oh, your travel schedule is huge. Uh, well, you know, I, I used to live in Austin. Uh, actually, I'm from New Orleans, but I lived in Austin for a long time. And at some point, I my work was happening so much away than in Austin that I decided that I really needed to kind of just commit myself to uh, working with people in different parts of the world because that was the calling. And so at some point, I looked at my... My my calendar, and I realized that what I had in Austin was like the most expensive storage facility in Austin, <laughs> Texas. So there I decided go. to give it up. <laughs> and so, is there a place that you call home? Yeah, actually, I live in Hawaii. Oh, nice. Well, that was a nice island. choice. Yeah, I, I decided. Actually, I, I live in Hawaii, and then a little bit, I live in Portugal. Oh, really? Where? Uh, in Lisboa, in Lisbon. In Lisbon. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's a beautiful place for sure. So Hawaii and Portugal, I mean, who who could not be happy with that? Yeah, man. Yeah. So our show today is Getting to Wisdom, A Journey to the Soul. You are, you've become such a prominent figure in the concept of body-centered psychology. Um, you know, let's talk a bit about what that is. What is body-centered psychology? Well, it um, it, just, it basically uh, approaches um, spirituality from the idea that the mind uh, or the soul is a whole body um, experience, not necessarily locked in your brain. Hmm. And uh, and so what I do, whether it's shamanic or kind of what I call new age science, hmm. is I try to um, I try to work from deeply experiential points of view, and it's impossible to do deeply experiential po- uh, processes that are not body centered. Hmm. In fact, I'm I'm pretty much at the place in my life right now where I don't think that it's possible to have a spiritual experience that doesn't have an organic root. Hmm. And so our body chemistry, uh, you cannot separate our body chemistry from what we would call a spiritual experience. Hmm. And so therefore, in order to do that, you have to go straight into the, the body. Well, 
Now tell me about and share with our listeners how the shamanic practices became something that you incorporated into your life. Well, I, I come from uh, what I like to refer to as a neo-shamanic culture, neo meaning new, mm. uh, contemporary shamanic culture. Uh, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in New Orleans, and New Orleans was um, at one point in time a very big part of the slave trade when uh, slavery was the law of the land. Uh, in that part of the world, when slaves would uh, break free mm-hmm. and they would uh, escape, mm-hmm. it was not uncommon for the Native American culture to take them in. Oh, really? And so what you had is two uh, deeply animistic or shamanic cultures from different parts of the world that all of a sudden came together in their affinity hmm. was that they both had a uh, matrix, a spiritual matrix that was rooted in nature. Oh, wow. And so shamanism, uh, another term that you could use is animism, uh, is is rooted in the idea that the the best representation that we have of spirituality is the examples that we have in nature. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is that most people tend to think that uh, the word shaman or shamanic came from Native American or maybe Amazonian uh, shamanism, but actually the term itself, shaman or shamanic, comes from a place in the world that I teach usually once a year, and that's in Russia. Uh, actually from the northern parts of Russia in Siberia. And the literal translation of the word shaman or shamanic uh, means the ability to see in the dark. And so I take that quite literally, and so all of the shamanic work that I do uh, is done blindfolded uh, because it's important to really illuminate the deeper parts of ourselves if we want to grow spiritually. The idea with um, shamanic work, if you study it deeply, is uh, you realize that shamanic work um, always took into account the fact that we have uh, a shadow side. And so both sides, the light side and the shadow side, have value. The distinction is that we grow in the light, but we transform in the dark. And so in order to transform, you must go inward. If you want to grow... You go outward. And so the work that I do is both sides of that story, but uh, what I really specialize in is the really significant shamanic work that is shadow journeys. Hmm. And so transforming in the dark. So do you, do you then, as transformation begins to happen, does growth continue when you move into the light? Yeah, it's... Um, the idea is that we are, you know, fairly complex creatures, and so to say that who you are today is the same person that you'll be tomorrow mm. is a bit of an illusion. Now, the question is, how do you become something new? Well, always that occurs because some circumstance in your life throws you back into your own uh, deep awareness, and when you come out again, you realize more. Uh, unfortunately, the rituals that we used to have to take that journey have pretty much been taken away. Mm. And so what we're left with 
It's just circumstantial situations in life in which, for one reason or another, uh, something happens, and we um, we dig deep into ourselves, and we come out, and we realize something new. These are fairly classic stories in our culture of people who have had perhaps some kind of traumatic event, yeah. and as a result of it, their life changed. And so does, you know, I, w- I wonder sometimes if there has to be a huge trauma or something that literally stops us cold in order for us to wake up. Do you think that has to happen? Well, it doesn't have to happen if you participate in some ritual structure that Mm -hmm. takes you in that direction. Mm -hmm. If you ignore this, eventually these kinds of things just find you. Right. And so um, there is some significance in deliberately and periodically taking time to really journey deep into ourselves. When we don't, it doesn't mean that we're exempted from this experience. It's just that it tends to creep up on us. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I look at our culture in the U.S. and in around the world, and, and certainly in the U.S., um, things are, I, I see them as odd. Things are odd these days. Um, if people, I think, are in this space where they want change, they want things to shift. Many people are of the age where they're entering into um, a place of, is this all there is? And so it seems like there's, there's this heightened sense of energy around, please make things different. How do you see it? How do you see what's going on in the U.S. right now? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, America has for 200-plus years, 250-plus years, been a relatively young culture in comparison to the rest of the world. And I don't mean young in terms of how long we've been in existence, but I mean literally the average age of the average American has been below 40 pretty soon here. Uh, 50% of America uh, is going to be 40 years of age and older. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something significant about this number 40 in that it is the beginning or right at the, the, the heart of your second birth, your first birth being your birth into your physical body, your second birth happening around 40, which is a birth into your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And so... Given the fact that America has now a population of people who are 40 years of age and older, about 50% or more at this point, uh, as a culture, we're moving more into uh, a place of being contemplative rather than necessarily ambitious and, at worst, aggressive. Now, if you think about it... um, Americans really aren't Americans. You see, Americans are Spanish and they're yes. French and they're yes. Irish. And, and But of all these people that ventured across the water to America, you have to pay attention to, you know, who were actually the ones that took that chance. Mm. And when you think about it, it was really kind of the the more ambitious ones who were willing to do that. Right. And so really what America is at some level is the DNA of the ambitious of the planet. Mm-hmm. We're kind of all here. Uh-huh. The only exception to that rule 
would be Native Americans who are already here, and of course African Americans who they threw in the bottom of a boat. And so when you're starting a country with a really new idea of uh, freedom for all, you need to have that kind of energy to get it going. But 250 years of this kind of energy unchecked creates a bit of a monster. It certainly does, and we have um, more to talk about on this. And I want to touch on different, you talk about the cycles of age, I want to talk about that when we come back from this message. Okay. Talk about his money. Call us toll free, 866 472 5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static, it evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true to them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money, call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. We're speaking with Wilbert Alex this morning. Wilbert, before we went to break, you were talking about the cycles of age and that 40 Fifty percent of Americans um, will soon be forty or older, and that at forty we really move into our spiritual life. Did you say the birthing of our spiritual life? Yeah, um, the best way to to understand this is is to first understand that um, from an energetic point of view, it seems that everything moves in cycles. I mean, uh, physically. The universe spins and planets spin and atoms spin and 
you know, hurricanes spin. Everything that's alive mm-hmm. uh, spins. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you take that metaphor and you apply it to our spiritual life, then you get seasons and cycles. And, and so it stands to reason that if the physical universe is governed in this way, probably our spiritual life is also governed in this way. Now, this linear model that m- most organized religion presents to us, if you understand um, the significance uh, of the spiritual model, you understand that this linear model will always leave you kind of high and dry. It doesn't explain anything really. The the cyclical model basically says that beginning and ending points meet. And so if you take a circle and you look at the beginning of the circle and you call the beginning of your life cycle your birth, then, of course, the end of it would be your death. But in animistic or shamanic cultures, the deities for birth and death were always the same. They were never a separate deity. So it's an indication that from a deeply spiritual point of view, there is no separation between birth and death. Now, on that circle... There are, as best I can tell, about 12 points in which you are compelled to transform. Mm. And each time you reach one of these points of transformation, if you are not spiritually prepared for the transformation, what we experience in our life at that moment Mm -hmm. is what we will call a crisis. So, you know, are you talking about like when... when, um Kids move into puberty and coming of age. And, exactly. Yeah. Birth, puberty, uh, sexual initiation, uh, separation from the feminine. Now, the one that I mentioned earlier is midbirth, and that's, of course, a big one. Uh, and the significance of midbirth is that from the time you were very young, certainly in your teen years, you started kind of formulating in your mind kind of your strategy for being happy. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got a different strategy. You know, some people have a marriage and children, you know, and they'll love me forever and I'll be happy or I'm going to make a lot of money or I'm going to, you know, become very educated or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a real kind of rebel, then you say, I'm not going to do anything. I'll grow my hair long. I'm just <laughs> all the time. Everybody's got their kind of strategy for happy. And, and, and let me interrupt. So, and so that would, whether people do it intentionally or not, that would kind of feed a plan they have for their life. Yeah, every, everybody in some form or fashion comes to a conclusion usually before the age of 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets pretty strong around 29. Which direction we're going to, like the road we're going to walk to happy. And so we work on that for, you know, about 12, 13 years, really hard. The idea being if happiness is going to appear, it's just probably going to appear by 40. But, of course, as 40 approaches, you realize that probably your idea of happy is not going to happen that way. I mean, something's going to happen, but certainly what you thought was going to happen is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, all of those pictures that have been stored in your mind for almost 40 years, eh, they all go away. Hmm. And so for the first time in life that you can ever remember, you have no picture of your future. Now, this perfectly explains 
what psychology calls midlife crisis, right. you know, absence of direction. Right. What's really happening, of course, is that your ego is attempting to die, hmm. and egos die hard. They don't die easy. Now, and why would the ego want to die? Well, it's the only way that you can be born into your spiritual life, which is what the second half of your life is holding out to you. See, the first half of your life is a preparation for the second. And in order for the second one to have any any meaning, it's kind of like a pendulum. If your pendulum swings completely to the left, then the momentum of it is going to take you very forcefully to the right. Uh, so it, it's important, I generally tell young people, it's important to really, when you have this opportunity, to really live your life because you're going to need the momentum when it swings mm-hmm. you into the other side of your life. Mm-hmm. And momentum would be the experiences behind it. Yeah, all yeah. of those things are things you're going to compare uh, against as you go through life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all reality is, you understand, is... Uh, is a projection of the mind, and so what you store in your mind is what you're going to use as your comparison for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so the point is, take a position. You can change it, right? but take the position. Mm-hmm. Learn about things, because at some point that's what you're going to need to determine reality later on in life. If you take no positions, if you don't allow yourself to have any experiences, you're fairly barren later on in life. Mm-hmm. So you said that um, a large percentage of Americans will be 40 or older, and so that moving into this mid-birth part of the cycle, does the population demographic then define the culture of the country at that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you look... If you look at cultures that are routinely lived to an older age, uh-huh. Tibet, Nepal, these are deeply spiritual cultures. Mm. Uh, then, of course, you have cultures that routinely die young. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm from one of them. I'm black American culture. Yeah. Black men usually die fairly, relatively early. Mm. And so what happens is the culture can't really cultivate its spirituality in a deep way. It doesn't mean that there isn't any spirituality there, but mm-hmm. it doesn't get as deep as some of these cultures where people live to be 80, 90, mm-hmm. sometimes 100 plus years old. Well, and and you've talked about, um, in the past I've heard you talk about how the first half of life, there's a lot of separation from the feminine energy and alliance with the masculine as people are questing forward and looking for success. And that in the second half of life, there's a reconnection to the feminine. Um, and as we move toward, you know, building our spiritual life. So to, in a culture like the black American culture, um, does that reconnection to the feminine happen? Or, or do they tend to stay more in the um, masculine? Well, it certainly happens for some who live long enough for that to occur. Mm-hmm. But again, you're talking about averages, right? And so, right. if you have a large percentage of people that don't, mm-hmm. then the tendency is for the culture to remain more masculine, mm-hmm. not as so much feminine. Mm-hmm. It, feminine meaning that the energy of reconciliation, the energy yeah. of healing, can occur. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have a culture of people who routinely mature. Uh, 
there. It's a, that's a culture that has learned how to heal itself. Mm. If you have a culture of people that don't live to be that old, it's not a culture that's learned how to heal itself. Right. Now, you have started a project many years ago called the Common Ground Project. Could you talk about that? Yeah, it was, um, uh, you know, when I lived here in Austin, Texas for many years, one of the major things that was going on in town, it still is actually, uh, is um, huge battles between the environmental and developer communities. And uh, Austin is a very uh, environmentally conscious community, but Texas is also a land rights uh, state. And so, you know, these two forces clash. And uh, so for a long time, it was just very difficult, if at all possible, for these two groups of people to communicate. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was asked to uh, work with these two groups of people in a way that would make it possible for them to uh, progress, to get things done. And uh, and that's what I did. Uh, And the project went on for about five years and was really quite successful. A lot of stuff got written up in the paper because... Mm -hmm. It was really, really about creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about communication. It was about creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. The idea that, um, you know, there was kind of an A point of view and a B point of view, and, of course, what they weren't seeing is C, D, E, F, G, right, right. and that's what I was teaching them, how to see these alternatives. Oh, interesting. So what did you, what tools did you give them? What type of thing did you teach them to help them see? Well, it's interesting. Um, uh, I'm kind of fascinated with uh, what's been happening lately because, of course, there's the emergence of all of the energy around these films, The Secret and What the Bleep. Right, and, right, right. and, of course, for a lot of people, this is really um, you know innovative new things. But if you've been around long enough, you realize that it's really kind of been recycled. Right. And, of course, 30 or so years ago, this was a big thing. The idea that, you know, reality is a projection of the mind and all this stuff. And so back then we had designed uh, courses that were about this kind of thing. And so it was uh, really principles in that course and also principles in another workshop that I teach on relationships Mm. called Mastering Alive Relationships. And so it was these two bodies of work that I use, one on uh, manifesting, but really, really deep, innovative kind of problem solving, uh, and another one on mastering alive relationships, and those two together was, was what the project was based on. Interesting. So you're really teaching people how to put their ego aside. Well, I, that might not be true. I I don't think it's possible to put it aside. Um, uh, to put it aside is to really kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing to do is to understand um, when it's valuable and when it's not valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's just a, a smarter way to go. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds idealistic, really, this idea of, you know, you can have no ego, but I don't think it's possible, right. really, to function with no ego. It's kind of like, um, how can I say this? Uh, well, it, oh. maybe hold that thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can talk more about uh, how to know when the ego is valuable when we yeah. come back.
We talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On The Economy and the Markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Markets with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now toll-free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. We're speaking with Wilbert Alex this morning, Getting to Wisdom, A Journey to the Soul. Before we went to break, Wilbert, you were speaking about um, knowing when it's valuable to use the ego and not. How do you do that? How do you make that distinction? Well, it's kind of like um, being judgmental. I mean, I would think that a lot of people kind of, especially if you come from a spiritual point of view, there's a judgment about being judgmental, you see, and that is that you, of course, shouldn't be so judgmental. When the fact is, I don't really know how anybody gets through the day without two or three really juicy judgments. <laughs> uh, and so if you're going to judge, you see, which is, of course, what these groups were doing with each other, if you're going to judge, then at least do the next best thing, and that is judge accurately. See, this is where the problem lied. They were really not judging accurately, and it was because they didn't really know each other nor did they see any option beyond A or B. And so when you solve those two dilemmas, it doesn't mean that your ego is suspended or it's not there. Uh, It's just that its application is clearer. 
And so for me, this is really important because anything else is always going to crumble. Whenever you ask people to suspend who they are in order to participate, they create a front, of course, in which that seems to be true, but underneath it's a different story. And so if you want the effect to be long-term, mm-hmm. then you have got to apply a, uh, a more uh, powerful principle, and that principle has to do with actually looking uh, deeper into the circumstance to find solutions that you've never seen before, uh, and that way you don't have to dissolve or disappear. How long does it take you to teach people this? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not sure that there's some, um, you know, there's not like we can start the day and we're finished by Friday. Right, yeah. Um, but in general, uh, the program itself went on for about uh, four to six months. And uh, I think another, you know, same amount of time, four to six months of really kind of being involved, not actively uh, in the process, but using it. And at some point, you begin to, 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 it becomes a lifestyle, basically. That's really the trick, is that you don't do it because you need to do it. You do it because it's just simply become a lifestyle. Hmm. And so you are well-known for trance dance and, when people hear the term trance dance, you know, all kinds of images come up. But this is part of how you take people deep into themselves. Share with us what, that's, what's that, what that is like. Well, you know, the original reason for dancing, I think, was um, an attempt to duplicate nature. You can imagine human beings in the midst of... Uh, on a very alive planet and trying to sort out their own existence and their own reality. And and at some point what you realize is that in order to understand what's around you, you have to become what's around you. And so dance is a great way of doing that. Again, I'm a big advocate of um, really going deep inside. And so trans dance, at least the way in which I approach it, uses a blindfold or a bandana. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing um, about the eyes is that your eyes are the only sensory organs that grow directly out of your brain. And so if you suspend a person's capacity to uh, um, use uh, their external reality as an overwhelm, if you take that away, of course, what starts to illuminate is a deep, deep inner story. And so um, we started uh, using uh, particular kinds of music that we're involved in creating and uh, various techniques, and uh, it has evolved over time. We started in the late 80s, and at this point it's really grown, and we've trained uh, well over a 1,000 people around the world to uh, conduct these uh, rituals. Uh, transformational rituals in which we use specific kinds of music and particular breathing patterns and the innovative use of this blindfold or bandana. Uh, and um, one of the critical elements to it, uh, which is kind of a cardinal rule when I when I do trainings, is the facilitators are never allowed to analyze any of these experiences. 
ritual itself is designed for people to journey into that side of themselves and to not necessarily have to understand it. The fact that you went and the experience itself is important. Mm -hmm. Trying to understand it is not important. The most important part of it is what happened to you, not what you think happened to you. Mm -hmm. And and what's been your experience over the years of how people emerge from that? Well, it depends on what you're interested in. If you're interested in healing, that's one thing. If you're interested in spiritual evolution, it's another whole story. I happen to be a big advocate of spiritual evolution. Not that that does not foster healing, but it's not the primary motive. The primary motive is to grow spiritually. And so if you're going to grow spiritually, you must be willing to put yourself in compelling situations and then allow the experience in and of itself to incubate mm. in you, that you don't try to reduce it down to something that your brain can understand. And so trans dance creates an enormous experience inside of you, and then what happens is you incubate that experience for an extended period of time. Mm. Uh, what that produces uh, is uh, a kind of an illumination of wisdom that is not just mental, it's also physical. This is what I mean about body-centered approaches to spirituality. Right. Uh, you grow geometrically in that way. You don't just grow linear, you grow geometrically. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, the word journey has a charge on it these days. There's a lot of different um, teachers who call themselves shamans or who have a specific way of journeying, some of it um, with hallucinogenic substances. And the Amazon is known for a place that, you know, people are taken and have huge experiences. What is your perspective on that? Well, you know, probably the original rituals um, were plant-based rituals. I think that was the first reason human beings came together in some kind of a of a sacred organized form was to uh, experience the evolution of their own consciousness through their relationship with these plants. Mm-hmm. Now, over time and also migration, what has occurred is that human beings typically migrated into places in which these kind of plants weren't available, but the rituals were still done because the idea was that if we could do the ritual, maybe we could tap into what we originally experienced in our relationship with the plant. Now the reemergence of these entheogenic substances um, in the late 20th century, early 21st century that we're living in now um, has reintroduced the idea of this And so there are many of them that uh, exist, and uh, the reason that I um, use trans dance is because it's the closest thing that I've found to duplicate that experience. Mm. And um, I think most people are in their lifetime probably not going to want to investigate these uh, plant rituals, but trans dance... uh, does something quite unique, and that is that what it does is it uh, accesses the chemistry that exists in our body Mm. that uh, probably came from our long relationship with those plants. Mm. 
And so this is one of the things that happens with the blindfold and particular kind of rhythms and sound and music, and it's all um, kind of an alchemical process that happens inside that duplicates that experience. How long does a trance dance usually last? Oh, generally I say an hour, but, you know, depending upon how much you've been doing it, it can go for an hour and a half, two hours. Long dances can be three or more hours. But this is this is only for people who have been doing this for a while. Typically, if you're just beginning to approach your spirituality from this point of view, uh, the, the dances are generally an hour. Mm-hmm. And during that hour, people really go to a deep place in themselves in a way that um, almost as if they're not present. Yeah, that's the thing that's really remarkable about transdance, and that is that um, uh, probably 90, 95% of the way in which a sighted person perceives reality is through their eyes. Mm-hmm. And so if you remove our capacity to see externally, yet energize what's going on inside, it's really quite remarkable how quickly a person can venture into places that are quite mystical. Mm. Um, And then, of course, if you continue these kind of journeys on some kind of a regular basis, it really begins to open up uh, your mind in ways that you never thought it could open up because most people think of their mind as kind of a cerebral thing. They never think of it as a whole body process. And we've got an entire country, I dare say an entire world, that is looking at globalization and how commerce works very much through the mind, um, looking at it very much through um, trying to figure it out. And it seems that we've moved so far away from our intuitive knowing um, how do we get back? I mean, what do we do to, to try to come back to some sort of center? Well, I I happen to think that this is probably the reason that the earth is in the dilemma that it's in right now because it's um, difficult to appreciate the body, uh, earth, if mm-hmm. you're not looking at your own body from a spiritual point of view. And so most people do not relate to the earth from a spiritual perspective. And I think this is what has to change. We're going to talk more about this with Wilbert Alex when we come right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all the time. time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. 
Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. We are speaking with Wilbert Alex, Getting to Wisdom, A Journey to the Soul. Wilbert, before our break, you had started talking about the earth body and how the earth is in trouble and that um, is a reflection and a response to how we've all gone into our head. We've forgotten about our intuitive self. Could you talk more to that? Well, I think um, it it helps to understand these two words, um, protect and respect. Now, when you don't respect nature, which basically means you have to kind of put nature as primary and humanity as secondary, then you can respect. Mm-hmm. When you make yourself primary and nature secondary, then, of course, you then assume that your job is to protect. And I'm not saying that at this point humanity doesn't have some responsibility about doing something, but let's talk about the original story. And the original story is that uh, if we are in the right position with nature, then we're respecting. So what does that mean, respect? Well, respect if you pay attention, really is kind of, the best way that I can define it is intelligent fear. Uh, anything that you respect at some level you fear. Now, what happened with science is that we got to the point where we really started to believe that we could, like, outthink nature. Hmm. We, could, um, we could trump nature. Hmm. And, of course, what we're finding out is that that's not true. But it didn't mean that we didn't think it was true for a long time. And so now it's kind of a reality is beginning to set in, and that is that at some point um, if the cycle starts to flip in a way that's not really uh, healthy for human beings, I'm not sure that you know science is not going to bail us out on this one. And so then what we have to do is to put ourselves in a position, once again, in which our relationship to the earth is one in which we uh, approach it from a spiritual point of view, not just as a food source or any of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and so as I think about how things are happening in science around cloning 
human DNA and, um, you know, designer people, <laughs> as they call it. You know, I mean, what does that do to the sense of ancestry and the connection to ancestor and the spirit of a planet? Well, um, the stuff that's coming down with gene- in genetics, it's like everything else. There's something about it that's really wonderful, and then, of course, there's things about it that if we're not careful, we'll mm-hmm. dig a bigger hole. Uh, what we're learning in genetics, as an example, is that um, we're all related, that we actually come from the same mother, mm-hmm. that there were seven mothers and... You know, the children of six of those mothers died off, and we're the, all the children of that one mother, and, and so we're basically related. So I this don't is think a, most people know this story. Uh, well, I mean, just go on the internet and type in, you know, seven mothers plus DNA or plus genetics, and you'll hit websites that that talk about this mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but essentially, what it's um, revealing to us is that. If you go back in your ancestry, on and on and on and on and on, eventually we all go back to the same woman. Mm. And uh, so we are actually related. And there's something inside of me for sure that's quite significant that happens when I realize that. Mm. Uh, And I think a lot of people just don't get it. A number of things have come out of that. When, as an example, when they studied the Middle East, what they discovered is that the two groups of people in the Middle East that were the most genetically related were Israelis and Palestinians. God. Many, many, many kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, this kind of stuff is really quite beneficial. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there's, you know, all the other cloning and, you know, genetic modification of yeah. all this stuff, and I think this is where we kind of get in trouble, but mm-hmm. just not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Mm-hmm. There is some things that are revealing, and then there are some things that just seems to be all about profit. Mm-hmm. Well, and so what would your message be to the leaders in the world, not just political leaders, but individuals who take leadership Stands, um, individuals who want to make a difference in the world, as you look at it through this lens of the mystical stages of our spiritual and physical evolution, what would you say to them? Uh, you know, there's something that we started some time ago, and um, it, it eventually became a training. It's called the Energizer Training. Hmm. And it's the idea of becoming an Energizer. Now, an energizer is a person who, by the mere uh, fact of who they are, create more energy than they take away. Hmm. Uh, As an example, their communication skills are so clear that they problem-solve rather than create problems, Hmm. that their relationship skills are such that they build relationships rather than destroy them, that their mind skills are such that they create matter rather than destroy matter. You know, on and on and on. And um, when we look at people in culture that we really admire, we realize at some level what they really are would be this term that I use called an energizer. And so I think that that's really what it is. I think it's time that we stop looking outside of ourselves, you know, and pointing the fingers about, oh, who's doing this and that and the other, and just get it that what we have to be willing to do is to become an energizer. Hmm. 
and hope that other people get it, that this is the best position to take, is to become an energizer. Interesting. Could you just give us briefly a couple of the practices that you would give to people to help develop that? Well, it has to do with the development of all of these um, skills and abilities. Uh, as an example, um, cultivate your body-mind connection so that mm-hmm. you understand that your mind is not just locked up in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. For me, it doesn't make any difference what your path is spiritually, because I think that we're all kind of digging for the same aquifer. Yeah, yeah. And so, whether you dig a Taoist hole or a Buddhist hole or a shamanic hole, just <laughs> dig a hole. <laughs> just dig a hole. It doesn't make any difference. Um, these kinds of things that, as an individual, what happens is because of who you are, no matter what situation you're in. What's going to happen is that when you walk away, more is there than when you got there. Mm. And if you can imagine, if everybody just cultivated that ability, what would happen in the world is that it would just get bigger and better. Well, that is a great idea to hold as we come to a close today. Wilbert, this is um, fascinating work, and I know you travel around the world um, offering up the opportunity for people to go deep and make a difference. Um, if they want to know more about that, do you have a website? Yeah, it's really easy. Just go to uh, transdance.com, T-R-A-N-C-E-D-A-N-C-E.com, and uh, you'll find some of the shamanic uh, work on there, and there's a web mail page there. You can always send me an email, and uh, I'll answer it, or somebody in the staff will answer it, and mm-hmm. we try to get you some information. Trans. Transdance.com. Wilbert Alex, thanks so much for being with us today, and we look forward to having you back uh, again on Leading Conversations, and you can give us an update on what you're up to. Thank you very much, Cheryl. And I'd like to remind everybody that we're here every Friday, 10 a.m. on uh, Voice America Radio, Leading Conversations, and also that... My new book is finally here, In the Spirit of Leadership, A Vision into a Different Future, in hardcover, audio, CD, and a companion journal, In the Spirit of Leadership, Reflections Along the Way. I hope to hear from you later. Send me emails at ce at leadingconversations.com, leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. And uh, remember, everyone, to think big because the world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week.